0: Welcome to the Big Fundamental Podcast, the Kins 5 Podcast on your San Antonio Spurs and NBA basketball in general. I'm Jackson Floyd. I'm Cameron Songer. And today we are graced with the Kins 5 (laughs) Sports Director himself, the man... Joe Reinagle, how are you doing today, Joe?
1: I'm good. I just came up here so I can learn something. You two guys have all the knowledge and I wanna uh, I wanna get educated up here.
0: Well maybe it'll be a give and take. You got some things to offer okay. us as all well right, here. All right. Uh, first, just right off the bat, we've got breaking news from ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. Seems like Marcus Morris may be reconsidering that deal.
2: Yeah, so it was gonna be a two-year deal with a player option, uh probably about twenty million dollars. And now he's looking at maybe some offers from the Knicks that he's pot- potentially not uh, 100% committed to the Spurs.
1: One year, $15 million is what I'm hearing. From the, the Knicks? Knicks the, yeah, that's what they're offering. So, you know... <laughs> It just baffles me that guys do that. Look, if you want to look around and you want to play and you want to get the best offer, go get it. And then sign wherever you think is best. But don't commit to somebody. And then, you know, three days later say, oh, well, you know, maybe not.
0: Yeah, nothing was agreed in writing, but of course he had made a verbal commitment. It's got shades of uh, DeAndre Jordan in the
2: Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> right, right. Maybe a little less dramatic. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He's not locked in a room somewhere <laughs> with a bunch of his old teammates. Um, but that's, that's kind of the, the capper here to what was a wild three, four days here in the NBA. Um, we saw Kawhi Leonard kind of orchestrate a, just a magnificent move. I don't think GMs could pull this off. He signs with the Los Angeles Clippers, convinces Paul George from the sound of it to come join him in Los Angeles. Uh, the Oklahoma City tr- uh, Thunder make a trade that's a record-breaking trade in the amount of picks included to
1: send George to the Clippers. What would you guys take away from that? Well, first of all, he convinced Paul George to demand a trade. So, and and which, which, you know, that's a whole other subject that we can talk about, but I think the NBA is going down a real dangerous path with all of these superstars demanding trades. Paul George had three years left on his contract with Oklahoma City. Now, granted, I think Oklahoma City, uh, you know, they want to rebuild. They got a treasure trove of of draft picks, and uh, and they're going to have an opportunity to do that. However... Again, it goes back to that commitment that I'm talking about. Now look, every I get criticized all the time. Well, people ought to be able to, you know, go wherever they want. If you wanted, you know, got a job offer in Los Angeles, you would probably take it. And my response to that is, yeah, but I don't play in the NBA, and it's a whole different ball game. And in order to make the league a success, the big market teams have to be successful and the small market teams have to be successful. And if all the superstars want to go play in LA, New York, Chicago, then guess what? San Antonio, Salt Lake City, um, Portland, Sacramento, they're going to die off and and you're not going to have them anymore. It was a big deal for small
0: market teams when Paul George did resign there. There was so so many questions when that trade was made, sending him from Indiana to Oklahoma City in the, uh, to begin with uh, two years ago this is going to be a one-year rental. He wants to go to LA anyways. And then last offseason, he signs, he says, we've got unfinished business here in Oklahoma City. He was one of the first big stars to make that kind of commitment to a mid-level team like that, small market team like that. And then he's out, well, out after a year
2: uh, after signing that contract. That's pretty big. Yeah. It's not really a good look. I agree with you, Joe. It's not really a good look for the NBA just going back to what Kawhi Leonard pulled though incredible stuff uh starting with the fact that the announcement came after a week where he was the uh the main focus of all the all the talk uh really dominated the news cycle for an entire week and then made the announcement at midnight on Friday night meaning that the whole weekend passes and then Monday morning rolls around and he's still the topic of conversation uh really dominated uh the, the NBA free agency, we knew he was going to, but the way he did it was just really incredible. Uh, and then the other thing is what it means for Spurs fans, which I think is... I think there probably would have been more hard feelings among Spurs fans if he had stayed in Toronto. Uh, but now Spurs fans can look at it, and there's a ton of ways you can interpret the, way, the whole Kawhi Leonard thing. But one way you can look at it now is... Nothing could have made him happy. He was going to LA no matter what. He had everything he could have possibly wanted in Toronto. They won a championship with him being the guy. He got to have his rest and load management and whatever, and he still went to Los Angeles.
0: It seemed like the narrative, especially during the playoffs when Uncle Dennis finally speaks and people start writing more stories about Kawhi, and Kawhi shapes the narrative himself by playing through injury in the playoffs and winning a finals that maybe the Spurs were at fault here. Maybe there was to blame. Joe, do you think there's vindication uh, here in San Antonio that he has gone to L.A.? That, you know, as Cameron was saying, nothing was going to make him happy until he got there.
1: He was going to go to L.A. regardless. I mean, Toronto could have given him the whole city, and and he's still going to go to L.A. They certainly tried. They they gave him the key. You know, it's interesting that you say that, and you're absolutely right. Toronto played him the right way, and they did the right things. But so did San Antonio. San Antonio did the same thing. He could have owned this city and been the biggest thing since sliced bread in the city of San Antonio. And keeping this team together, building around him, which was the plan of the San Antonio Spurs, I mean, they could have been competing for championships. He could have been the MVP on a championship team here in San Antonio. What, what Kawhi Leonard did, the way I understand it and from the people that I've talked to, it, it was just, it was dirty from the start. And again, it shows that commitment that you know, these guys, they want to go to these bigger cities. And the reason they want to go to these bigger cities is endorsements. It's not about the money. He could have made $50 million more in Toronto, uh, could have made a lot more here in San Antonio. It's not about what he makes salary wise. Now it's about the shoes he's going to sell. And you know, all the other stuff that comes with it. And that's where they're going to make their money. And that's the dangerous precedent. And when it comes to collective bargaining time, the NBA's. They're going to have to do something or, or they are not to have a league anymore.
0: Yeah, the age of player empowerment is here in full swing. We've seen uh, Anthony Davis this year <laughs> demand a trade and get yep. traded to Los Angeles, which was his ideal destination. Paul George now demanding a trade. There's talks that Russell Westbrook has approached the Thunder about wanting to go to Miami, about sending him to Miami where he'd like to play. Um, so that would be something interesting to see if they address it in the next CBA here coming up. I think it's in 2021, right, or 2020? Yeah, it is.
1: It's coming up pretty quick, yeah. And, and you know, in Russell Westbrook's case, I, I, I don't blame him in the fact that everybody else has left, and Oklahoma City's in a rebuilding, right? And, and Westbrook, you know, he's getting to the point where he's an aging veteran. I mean, he's still got a lot of time left, but he is getting up there, and he's played a long time. His, obviously, the big problem for him is his salary. I mean, he's going to make $42 million this season. That's hard for anybody to absorb. Miami can do that. We were Evan and I were kind of figuring the, the X's and O's and the dollars and all that stuff yesterday, and there's a way to get it done. So, uh, But the Rockets are, are interested too, and so are the Detroit Pistons. So, um, you know, if I'm a Russell Westbrook and you pull off a trade to either Detroit or Miami, I'm going there because right now, if I'm a superstar, I want to play in the East. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> because I'm gonna dom- I'm gonna be LeBron James in the East right now. The West is just gonna be absolutely brutal this it's year.
0: It's chaotic. Uh, we were kind of talking about this a little bit yesterday, Joe. I think there's maybe nine or ten teams that get above that 45 mm-hmm. win threshold. Uh, and from that group, now that this trade's gone through, do you think the Clippers are the favorites to to take the West?
1: You know, I don't know. I, I got to say, I think the Lakers did a really good job of adjusting and getting some pieces in there that's going to make them a pretty good basketball team. So I think both LA teams are going to be good, but I wouldn't say that the Clippers are going to be dominant. Um, you know, you've got these two guys and, and you've you've got some nice pieces around them, but uh, right now, if I had to pick the better team in Los Angeles, I might lean a little bit toward the Lakers just simply because, you know, Davis is coming in. If he can stay healthy, if LeBron's healthy, and LeBron's, I think, is going to have something to prove this year. I mean, you know, I think he really got. Um, he may not see it this way, but insulted in a way, right? You think oh, that, sure. that Kawhi's coming there, and so he may have something to prove. And those games against uh, between the Clippers and the Lakers are going to be fun to watch, I think. Um, but, you know, there's, there's some up. The Denver Nuggets are going to be a team that, uh, you know, they were good last year. They got everybody uh, back, plus they add a nice piece. Um, so you know, those three teams really stand out to me, and then you've got Utah, who did a pretty nice job, which I was reminded of plenty on Twitter when I'm in my little rant about small markets. Well, look at all the pieces they sign. and I said, "Well, I guess everything's okay then, <laughs> right?" I don't know, but you know. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really tough. Yeah, you brought up a good point with uh, Utah there in Denver, and yeah, of
0: course, Los Angeles was the the basketball center uh, this weekend. I mean, it wasn't just the Clippers making moves;
2: the Lakers, yep. for instance,
0: brought. And uh, Demarcus Cousins to go along with a few mm-hmm. other pieces there. What, Cameron? Tell me about the team they're building there.
2: Yeah, so uh, I want to go back to the Clippers really quick, just because remember they they made the playoffs last year with just kind of a the team that was sort of cobbled together. Danilo yeah. Gallinari was their second best guy. He was part of that uh, trade going back to Oklahoma City. But other than him, they bring back just about everybody. Their projected starting lineup: uh, Patrick Beverly, Landry Shamit, with Lou Williams playing a lot of the minutes at the two. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and then uh, Evika Zubac and Montrez Harrell at the five. That's doesn't doesn't have the like. The a curb appeal, other than the, the two superstars, that's a solid team uh, with potential to continue to grow a little bit. And then obviously the Lakers, they have more of the the big names. Uh, LeBron and Anthony Davis, Kyle Kuzma will be a key rotation guy to Marcus Cousins. And I love what they did to sort of bolster the guard rotation, because we looked at it maybe uh, about a week ago and we said... There are no guards on L.A.'s roster. Danny Green is a really good get. I think he fits with uh, LeBron's play style really well as a guy who can just play 3 and D. And then sort of a reunion of maybe the 2013-2014 Boston Celtics, Rajon <laughs> Rondo and Avery Bradley uh, hooking up in the backcourt. So that's going to be a fun team. I'm excited to watch this league. I'll There's
1: tell you what, you know, just that lineup that you're talking about, when you're talking about Beverly... George and Kawhi teams may not score 50 points (laughs) on that lineup. I mean, that's going to be an incredible defensive ball club.
0: Definitely. And I I do like, I mean, you got to feel bad for the Boston fans. That's such an intense rivalry with with the Lakers there between the Celtics and the Lakers. And to see Bradley and Rondo wearing the purple and gold. (laughs) You mentioned the Boston reunion, a little bit of a Pelicans reunion here too. Rondo, Cousins and uh, Davis all played together. Uh, I I agree. I do think that there are, um, yeah, the Lakers are a solid rotation. I think they've got, um, I like the package, the pairing of Davis and LeBron in terms of their play style more than I think Paul George and Kawhi seem to overlap. I'm a little concerned with the injuries on the Clippers more than I am with the Lakers. You talk about Paul George, who has an aluminum, a metal rod in his leg right now. Um, he dealt with shoulder injuries uh, throughout the last half of last season. And that went into the playoffs and affected the Thunders' performance in the playoffs. And then Kawhi, I mean, the Spurs were right in their diagnosis of a degenerative calf problem. He saw how many doctors, uh, you know, He saw six independent doctors, our medical staff here in San Antonio, in Toronto. He's going to have to deal with this leg issue. He played less than 65 games in the regular season, and the longest stretch of games he played was in the playoffs. By the time the finals are coming around, he was limping. He was limping on the podium to accept the finals MVP award. That's a question in my mind, and I'm a little worried for the Clippers. If, if I'm a Clippers fan, I'm worried about the health of those guys long ter- long term here.
1: I think it's a great point that you bring up, uh, and and it's a valid one. You know, Kawhi is is uh, he's he's banged up. Um, you know, I think what it goes back to is that. He obviously played through it, and he played at a very high level. And I think um, – and, and I know I'm bitter about th- his last year in San Antonio, but he could have done that here. I truly believe that. And obviously he's saving himself for L.A. He finally got to where he wanted to be. But, but I think a lot of these guys, th- the way that was all handled, and I won't take a lot of time and rehash this stuff, throwing people under the bus, hiding from the Spurs, just, it just aggravates me to no end because the, the potential – that we had here in San Antonio to really dominate for the next several years was was incredible but you make a valid point about the injuries I think he, it is a problem Paul George is a problem as well and, and with the Lakers I, I think LeBron James is a problem I really do just be, he's got a lot of miles on that body of his and uh and and you know he's already basically said he, I think you know he, the rumor was he told Kawhi I got two years left Um, And maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. So that's going to be the X factor, I think, for some of these other teams to maybe pass those L.A. teams up. And it's going to be fun to watch. You were talking about
0: teams in the West that could kind of make that run, seeing Mm -hmm. these two teams. You mentioned Utah and Denver. Could the Spurs be part of that? I mean, they were a team that kind of had a quiet weekend when all these other moves were happening. They made their own moves, trading Davis Bertans to the Washington Wizards. Uh, And what seemed like a a move to make room to bring in Marcus Morris. We'll see how that plays out. But how did you feel about those moves this weekend? I thought
1: the Spurs did a fantastic job with the lack of money that they had Mm -hmm. uh, to bring in two guys like Carroll. Uh, and Morris. Now uh, remains to be seen if Morris is on the roster, you know, come training camp. we'll We'll continue to follow that story. But um, with, I mean, it, it just goes to show you that the, the the brass for the spurs is is incredible. And they do a great job of pulling things together. Uh, and, and they did. If this roster sticks the way it is currently right now or the way we have it projected, I think the spurs have to be considered a four, five, six seed in the Western Conference and a seed that, that uh, you know, can make some noise in the first round and maybe scare somebody in the second round. So I think, uh, uh, and, and again, all of this is predicated on health, right? Because you just never know. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge is, is, is not getting any younger, uh, but I, I certainly think DeRozan is going to be much better than he was this year, just from a comfort factor. And then you've got the X factor in the, in the young kids, uh, you know, DeJounte Murray, It's still unknown how he's going to be. He showed flashes, right? But how good can this kid be? I think that remains to be seen. Will Derek White improve? I think certainly if the roster stands, the Spurs are going to be 150% better defensively uh, when it's all said and done. And um, they weren't very good last year, and they made the playoffs and scared the heck out of the Denver Nuggets.
0: For a team that's relatively quiet about their players, they were so vocal about the growth and the rise of DeJounte Murray last season. Uh, and that gives me some optimism going into this season. What do you see with our guard play here, Cameron? I'm
2: I'm very optimistic about Dejounte Murray, and I'm optimistic about this team. Maybe not as optimistic as you guys. I think you look at what the re- the rest of the West has done. You look at who was in the playoffs last year. The Spurs were the seven seed. Who was in front of them? It was Oklahoma City, uh, Utah, Portland, Portland, Portland. Portland the Houston, Warriors, yeah. Houston. Uh, let's and then the Clippers were right behind them. Let's take a look at what those teams have done this offseason. Utah is way better. The Clippers and Lakers, I think you, there's no way you can say the Spurs have a better roster on paper than them. That's three teams. Uh, going further down, you have Houston's probably still a better team than San Antonio. Again, injuries could be a factor there. Uh, Portland is really good. That's five. It just feels like maybe the best-case scenario, if everything breaks right for the for the Spurs, the best they could hope for, maybe hope for is a four or five. And more realistically, it's probably going to be a fight for them to get into that seven or possibly eight seed I'm really interested to see what the Warriors do. I mean, we're just now mentioning them. Uh, They're, what, the five-time defending conference champion in the Western Conference, and it feels like they're an afterthought right now in talking about what's going to happen out West just because of the injury situation, what they lost. Portland reached the conference finals last year without their starting center. Uh, Denver has gotten way better with everybody coming back, and uh, the Spurs definitely gave them really a lot of seasoning in that first round of the playoffs. I think this Marcus Morris news, this potential that he's not part of the Spurs— is huge, because I think he would have been a really important piece, probably a starter for this Spurs team, and uh, it's hard to lose a starter. We saw what happened with the Spurs when they lost a starter before the season started last year in DeJounte Murray. We we're talking about them losing a starter now a little bit earlier, but still projected starter.
0: Yeah, I, honestly, I thought he was coming here to start as well, definitely in that starting five. Looking now at the starting five, if Morris isn't there, is it Rudy Gay who's starting in that position? Do they bring Jakob Pertl back into the starting five? Do you have any idea how that's going to shake up?
1: You yeah, you I would think it'd be Rudy Gay, personally. Um, and, and I think Pertl, at this point in time, you know, depending on, on, on who they play in the matchups, but I think Pertl's a nice piece off the bench. Um, and, and and you maybe play a little smaller to start with. And, again, that all is predicated on on who they're playing that particular night. But I think Pirtle is another guy that, that we don't talk about, him. and and I think he gets much better this year. And I really believe that that was a huge piece of that Kawhi Leonard trade. I think this kid has got an amazing upside. Um, and another guy I like is Drew Eubanks. I think this kid is, is, is somebody that bears watching – Um, But to answer your question, if Morris is out, then, yeah, I think Rudy Gay. And and Pop would much rather bring him off the bench because, Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got a guy like that. Even though he's making the kind of money that he's making, I think bringing a guy like that off the bench where you've got some veteran leadership plus some, some young players coming off of that bench. You know, if Morris stays, this Spurs team might be the deepest team in the West from top to bottom. They just might be. I,
0: I kind of agree with that. I think there's a lot of, they, they definitely have flexibility if Morris is on this team in terms of the rotations they couldn't put out. They can pretty much match up against anyone. I don't think there's a player on this roster
2: who can guard someone like Nikola Jokic, but I don't think there's anyone in the NBA who
1: can. Right, so right. That's, <laughs> you're, that's, always, you're
0: always
2: going to have a problem guarding him. You're always going to have a problem guarding Giannis. You're always going to have a problem guarding Harden and Curry. That's, that's,
0: that's what just they the do. way it is, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, another big question mark for me in the starting five. We saw last year Bryn Forbes and Derek White play those starting guard roles. Murray's coming back. It feels like he's going to be the guy starting at point guard. Do you start Forbes or White next to
1: him? I think you start White next to him. The reason I say that is defense. Uh, I think if you've got those two guys on the floor, you've got a pretty good defensive backcourt. And and that, they're going to be a tough cover for a lot of people, and and they're going to cover people, and it's going to be tough on the other guys. So uh, I think you start White, you bring Forbes, perhaps Forbes if he's got anything to do. Although he's made some strides defensively, he's still got a little ways to go. But uh, I think you've got to put your two best defensive players. And we talked about defense. We talked about the Clippers with with what they've done. I think if you've got Dejounte, you've got White, you've got a Marcus Morris, uh, uh, Lamarcus Aldridge, and DeRozan. I mean you know, that's a pretty good starting five and I think would, would compete against anybody. And I'm talking about on both ends of the floor. Um, so you're, you're covered there too. If, you know, DeRozan's not exactly the best defensive player in the world, but uh, the other four guys aren't bad. Yeah, I would actually go the opposite way from you, Joe, just because
2: you look at the rest of the bench and you probably want another really plus defender uh you're looking at the other guards who would be in that bench rotation patty mills marco bellinelli and lonnie walker okay that bench might be giving up a lot of yeah. points if you're <laughs> if you're suddenly doing wholesale stuff. and again they the spurs do a great job of rotating mixing and matching guys but your point jackson about this being a really deep team i was assuming the spurs do have marcus morris this is the bench in some sort of order rudy gay Derek white damari carroll patty mills Jakob pertle marco bellinelli and lonnie walker Lonnie Walker be the twelfth man on that team. That's really great insurance against any kind of injury, that you have depth at every position and you know, hoping there's no you know, major injury like we saw to Jante Murray, but there's going to be bumps and bruises. Guys are going to miss stretches of 5-10 games with knee or hamstring or ankle or wrist, whatever. There's going to be those little things, and the Spurs are very well protected against that. It could become a problem in the playoffs when rotations start to shorten up, but that's a, that's one of those you cross that bridge when you get to it. You'd rather have 12 guys you feel comfortable with throughout the regular season versus some of these teams, some of these quote-unquote super teams where you have two or three good, great guys, and then it falls off after seven or eight, where you're looking at that tenth guy on your bench, and you're going, "Oh boy," you know. A random night on
1: February, he could cost you a game. The Spurs don't have that problem, right? You know, I think it's going to be interesting to see how Pop wants to play it. Do you want? Do you want Derek White to stay as a point guard? And I think that will predicate a lot as to what he's going to do because obviously he'll come off the bench and spell Dejounte Murray. Uh, I think White can play both, which is a is a plus for the Spurs, so they can mix and match there, but it also gives the flexibility to put Patty Mills back where Patty belongs. He is a two guard. And he played a lot of point guards since he's here in San Antonio, but that would give free him up tremendously. Obviously, defense is a, is a problem for Patty Mills, but um, you know, the guy brings a lot of energy and, and, and he would just allow him there to concentrate on scoring. So it's going to be interesting to see how Pop plays that. Do you want to start the two defensive guys or do you want Derek White as your primary backup for DeJounte Murray? You mentioned Patty Mills uh, running the point guard here. Yeah, since
0: b- before DeJounte Murray, backup point guard was a huge hole yeah. on the Spurs roster. There were times when we had Gary Neal running point guard mm-hmm. and that terrified me. I was always scared when he was bringing the ball up. Um I could be talked either way. I think um, what's important, though, is I think that White will be the guy closing the games. I don't think he's going to be like the Manu Ginobili. If he is coming off the bench, he'll be the guy out there who is kind of in that two-guard position closing the games. Um, I do like the idea of defense. And I think overall, this offseason has pointed to one thing. The Spurs decided they needed to improve their defense. They weren't going mm-hmm. to run out another bottom-of-the-league kind of defense. Uh, I pulled the stat um, since 96-97. Uh, since uh, we've had... A top five defense in the league last year we were 20th in defensive rating though year before that we were fourth and 16 and 17 we were first first in 15 and 15 16 as well third in 2014 15 and then fourth in 13 14 this was a terrible defense they ran out there and pop wasn't having that anymore
2: yeah it's been it's been his identity as a coach for a long time is is defense first and what one of the first things the rookies said uh in their first couple of practices if you don't defend you're not going to play on this team uh the flip side of that though especially with this uh Breton's trade this was a team that was really in a weird spot three-point shooting wise last year they led the league in three-point percentages but they were last in three-point attempts and their best shooters now from last year is no longer on the roster Dejounte Murray has improved his jump shot but he's going to be seeing a lot more minutes this is kind of a very old school team now uh, unless some guys really make some strides in shooting the long ball we could see more of the same, where they're efficient in shooting threes, but teams can sort of pack it in a little bit more against them, and that makes it hard to score.
1: I agree, and that's a great point, and really something I didn't even think about. But but you're right. I mean, that the three-point shot is such a big part of the game now. And you've got to even even Greg Popovich says that, and he hates the three point shot because you know he's one of those guys. Oh, well, what, what's next? a four point shot? Let's go to half court and <laughs> you know get the clowns out there and And he's funny to hear that. So he's an old school guy, and I think that plays a big role in in how he sees things. But he's smart enough to know that you have to have some three point shooters, and and all of those three point guys are coming off the bench. you are looking at Bellinelli and Patty Mills. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see. But that'll be something to certainly watch. Um, but Greg Popovich's philosophy is if you play defense, then you're always going to be in the ball game. And so I, it's got to be what he's thinking. But it's absolutely obvious that defense was primary on their mind this offseason. I think
0: defense will also – strengthening the defense will also kind of help them with their road schedule issues they had last year. Uh, this was a team that excelled at home and did – poorly on the road. And for them to get to that ceiling we've talked about as a four seed, potentially five seed, they're going to have to win on the road. Sure. Um, And I think defense is going to play a role in that. We've talked a little bit about the the young guys here. And maybe this is a good point to transition to some of the summer league talk. Uh, Las Vegas is in full swing and it's the Lonnie Walker show. Uh, He is just playing tremendously. Uh, And that brings some sort of, I, I think he's kind of made a statement in the Vegas here that he wants to be a part of this rotation. You mentioned 12th man here on the bench. Do you see him kind of pushing his way into that 10 man rotation?
2: I, I think absolutely. If he continues to do what he's done in summer, like, and granted, it's a much lower level of competition, but he's proven to be a bucket getter. And off the bench, we've seen that be such a valuable trait in the NBA. Look, I mean, look at Lou Williams. He's made an entire career, he's made a name uh, for just doing that, being instant offense off the bench. Well, could Lonnie Walker evolve into something more at some point in his career? Absolutely. But this is a guy who's 20 years old right now, has less than a dozen NBA games under his belt, and we're talking about him as a potential contributor. Uh, He's been fantastic. I think his big statement uh, last night in particular, uh, Monday night against the Raptors, he scored 32 points in a summer league game. They only play 40-minute games. He said he's he was trying to say at least to me i'm done playing summer league and i'm not going back to the austin spurs i've done my time i want to be a, an nba a full-time nba player
1: now and i think he will be i mean you know all of those guys kind of make their bones in in the summer league and the g- derek white is a perfect example and you see how he blossoms you know thank god for the g league because i think that is has been such a great thing for young players uh, in the NBA. It gives them that playing time that they desperately need that they weren't getting sitting at the end of the bench. You know, going in for 30 seconds at the end of a ball game to mop up is, is not cutting it. So they're, they're able to get that opportunity. Uh, but I, I definitely think Lonnie is is going to be a piece of this puzzle. And, and that's another guy that, that you look at uh, coming off of that bench, I mean, is he a guy that maybe takes minutes away from a Patty Mills? I mean, I think it's absolutely possible for a couple of reasons. I think when you look at him playing the summer league, first of all, defense has improved tremendously. Second of all, he's got a jump shot. Oh yeah, he's mm-hmm. been hitting shots, and I'm talking about deep shots. And and so there's another potential three point shooter that you can rely on. Um, so you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how Pop uses these guys, but. I, I just think even as young as they are with a good mix of of veterans, I think Pop has got so many options night in and night out as to what he wants to do and how he wants to play and who he's playing against um, that that it's going to be fun to watch, and I think he's excited about it.
0: I think so too. You mentioned Walker's shooting from deep. Last night he was – Monday night he was – 50%, 50%, three yeah. for six from uh, behind the three-point line. Uh, we also saw Drew Eubanks with a great performance last night, 19.7 rebounds. As you mentioned, Joe, someone to keep an eye on. Uh, do you see him kind of finding a way into the rotation, or is he going to be mainly a G League guy this year? It,
1: but now we're talking about, you know, who do you who do you leave out to put in a Drew Eubanks? That's the problem. And, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I think Luka Shamanich is a guy that, that needs the G League, but I'm not sure that Keldon Johnson does. And so how do you – I mean, obviously he's going to play a lot of time in Austin, but – my goodness, this guy is just a freak athlete. He is incredible to watch. and you talk everybody's talking Lonnie Walker, but you know Johnson the night before had a fantastic ball game. And so I mean, I'm excited about this team certainly moving forward and the young players that they've been able to bring in. Um, but it's going to be hard to keep some of these guys, you know out of the rotation. I, I really think it is. And again, I know Johnson's young, but man. Everybody keeps saying the steal of the draft. I think he's absolutely true that this, this kid was the, the absolute steal of the draft, and I think he's going to be a big star in this league.
2: Yeah, to me, the guy who, if you're looking at who are they taking minutes from, you're talking about Walker and Johnson, I think Marco Bellinelli is probably a guy who might see his playing time diminish uh, over the course of the season. Uh, you're talking about the, the importance of defense on this team, and, and that's something that has, has been a little bit more of an issue for Marco as his career has progressed. Lonnie Walker still makes some mistakes on the defensive end. He's 20 years old, though, and the potential to be a great defender is there, and that's something I think uh, you can see the improvement from playing a year in Austin last season where he got that experience playing at a professional level. That's uh, It's a really incredible that you we're talking about, again, assuming that Marcus Morris is part of the team, and I th- really we don't know yet. This is something that even an hour before we sat down to record this, it sounded like it was a sure thing, and now this this latest news, if, the, if that ends up not being the case, if he decides to go play in New York, it just it just bumps some of these guys up a little bit more, and uh, then Walker is your 11th man, and Samanich, Johnson are fighting for that 12th spot. That's still on a normal night when everybody's healthy. As if the Spurs are at home, that's a night where you can almost feel comfortable saying, those guys can go play in Austin tonight, we're good with 11, mm-hmm. uh, because Coach Pop and most NBA coaches don't really want to use... Don't want to have to carry 13 guys, assuming most of their games are going to be pretty close. Those last three, sometimes four guys are really not going to get off the bench. It's not a good use of their time. Yeah, the Spurs have really found
0: a good way to use the G League, um, and that was Mm. kind of shown when they won the G League championship two years ago behind the play of Derek White. Uh, and he clearly benefited from the G League. I agree with you. I think Luka Shamanich is a guy. He's got a lot of tools. Mm-hmm. They're very raw, and the G League's going to be good for him. He, of course, is 19. He was born in the year 2000. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's crazy. It's
1: nuts. Uh, <laughs> January 2000 birthday, yeah. But look at all of these guys. Johnson, Johnson Johnson's 19. You know, DeJounte Murray is, what, 22? 22. Mm-hmm. Uh, Derek White, 24? I mean, uh, Lonnie Walker, 20 years old. I mean, this is a young athletic team. And and you say that about the San Antonio Spurs, and it's like, no, they can't be. That's not the Spurs, right? They're not athletic. They're not young. Uh, but this is a young ball club, and I think, again, the future is bright. What they do this year, if they make the playoffs, I think it's a bonus. And I thought it was a bonus last year, too, because nobody thought they'd make the playoffs. Uh, but if they keep the streak alive and, and make the playoffs again, which I, I, I think they've got a great shot at it, um, you know, you, you put that in and you look toward the future. And I, I, you know, I hope Spurs fans will look at it that way.
0: I agree, and I think anytime you can make a playoff run with a young group of team people, the young people benefit from that. Sure. Derek White is going to grow and learn from the time he had playing against the Denver Nuggets in the playoffs. He had some very high moments in those playoffs. He was the spur who showed up in the first couple of games there, kind of fell off when uh, the Nuggets figured it out and uh, made a made a transition there and uh, brought um, moved Will Barton to the bench and brought. Um, Torrey Craig in
1: to guard him on that team. Um, and you make a great point there. I just want to say that that's the learning experience. Because, you know, whatever he did in game three, he saw openings and he knew what he was doing. And then all of a sudden they make that adjustment and it's like he's a deer in headlights. But you learn from that. And I guarantee you they've gone over those last few games and said, look, this is what they did. So you've got to watch for this. And and so you're, you're absolutely right. And I think these kids can learn – I keep calling them kids, and I'm sorry. They're young men. They're younger than um, all of us. Right, right. So, you know, these young guys, um, they can learn more, I think, in the playoffs than, than they learn the entire regular season. It's just such a different animal and such an increased competition level that uh, it's, it's, it's taking them to school.
0: And we want to thank KENS 5 Sports Director Joe Reinagle for joining us on the Big Fun Pod today and taking us young guns to school. Thank you all for listening. Please be sure to rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, wherever you may be listening. We are everywhere in the podcast universe. And be sure to join us next week as we discuss the end of Summer League and Lonnie Walker's continued dominance. Plus, did the Spurs just sneaky rebuild? For Cameron Songer, I'm Jackson Floyd. We'll see you next time.